Welcome to the In All Things podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. Hey, everyone. I hope you had an excellent Thanksgiving weekend. I spent it baking Christmas cookies and decorating for Christmas with my family because we are officially in my favorite time of the year. I'm so excited. Um, In the coming weeks, I want to kind of diverge from what the typical episode has looked like from the past year. As we're entering Christmas season, we are also entering the season of Advent. And Advent is traditionally observed by more liturgical church denominations like the Lutheran or Catholic churches. But in more recent decades, evangelicals have also begun adding it to their Christmas tradition as well. The Advent season simply recognizes the arrival of Christ. Arrival is actually what Advent means. Um, There are four weeks of Advent, and they are usually symbolized with a circle of four candles. And these four candles each have their own meaning. Um, A lot of families will have these candles in their home. Churches will often have them up front and will light a candle every week leading up to Christmas. The first candle is hope and then love, joy, and peace. And then on Christmas Day, there's a fifth candle that is placed in the middle of that circle, which symbolizes Christ himself and the light that he brings into the world. So whether we are recognizing Advent in a liturgical sense with our church, maybe it's a family tradition, or we're seeking it out on our own, hope, love, joy, and peace all point to Christ and are absolutely worth talking about. So today we begin with hope. Hope is one of those topics that everyone seems to know really well. They can either explain exactly why they have hope, or they can explain exactly why they don't have hope. There isn't much of an in-between, and the thing I've noticed is that it's all based on their own personal experience. But that's the catch. If we base it on our own personal experiences, eventually, each of us will come to a point in our lives where we will see a valid reason, according to the world, to not have any hope at all. When we're talking about hope, sometimes people talk about different things. Do we mean short-term and situationally or long-term and in general? Because if it was the first case, I am betting that every single one of us could come up with a time in our lives where we were hopeless, or we can come up with an area where we currently are hopeless. But hope, when referring to the hope of Christ, is not situational, and it is definitely not short-term. The hope of Christ spans from the beginning of time into eternity, something that we cannot even fathom. There's something just so incredibly beautiful about the hope that Jesus brings, and I want to talk more about it today. Do you ever wonder where the first mention of Jesus is in the Bible? Well, because of John 1.1, we actually know that Jesus was with God in the beginning at creation. However, in the time of writing, that is not the first mention of Jesus, and it's actually in Genesis chapter 3 which also happens to be at the very beginning of the Bible. The first two chapters of Genesis is the account of creation. One is a broader account and the other is more detailed. And then the third chapter of Genesis starts with describing the fall. And this is where Adam and Eve are eating the forbidden fruit. Only nine verses later, nine verses after they eat the fruit, we see the first promise of a savior. Genesis 3.15 Um, And this is God actually talking to Satan. 
And he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God promises in this verse that through the descendants of Eve, God would send somebody to defeat Satan. And from that point on, we recognize the need for our Savior. If we read our Bibles, though, we know that that promise is not fulfilled immediately. In fact, it took around 4,000 years before it was fulfilled. 4,000 years of waiting. 4,000 years of needing hope. Throughout the Old Testament, everybody looked forward to a better judge, a better king, a better prophet. They were looking forward to Jesus. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies about the life of Christ. But as generations passed, as those 4,000 years went on, a lot of people lost hope. But the promise of a Savior was continually prophesied about. In Deuteronomy, it's foretold that Jesus will be a prophet from Israel. And Isaiah prophesied about the virgin birth and about Jesus' crucifixion in later chapters. Between the Old and New Testament, there was a period of 400 years where God was silent, completely silent. Think of a time when God was silent in your life. It felt pretty hopeless, didn't it? But then comes Luke chapter 1. This actually occurs first chronologically in the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, we learn about John the Baptist, and he was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And as an adult, John the Baptist was basically the first evangelist. He lo- his life was devoted to Jesus and to the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 2, we see the birth of Jesus, the promised Savior, 4,000 years in the making. And how did he arrive? As a baby, to a poor family, born in a barn. Not at all what anybody had pictured. We hear in Luke chapter 2 about a man named Simeon. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, um, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And they were to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Simeon here represents the remnant of Israel who continued to have hope. He continued to believe despite the centuries of silence and the millennials of unfulfilled promises. Simeon heard from the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Savior, how hard would that have been to believe? When you know that your ancestors have been waiting for this for thousands of years. But Simeon held on to hope. 
How amazing is that? And he got to see the Savior before he died. It did still take a few decades before Christ actually defeated sin and the enemy. But when Jesus was an adult, he began his public ministry, and that's when the miracles were performed, he baptized people, and he taught large groups of people. From the time he was born to the time he ascended back to heaven, he fulfilled over 200 prophecies that were given during those 4,000 years. Over 200 that are recorded in the Bible. That's a lot of prophecies. At Christmas, we recognize the hope that Jesus brought into the world, hope of redemption, hope of promises filled, and a hope of new life. For those of us who are now looking back on Christ's first arrival, we can acknowledge that hope that he already brought and he fulfilled. But we now also have another hope in Jesus, and that is his second arrival. I mentioned Jesus' first coming fulfilled a couple hundred prophecies. But did you know that Jesus will fulfill eight times that number in his second coming? That is mind-blowing to me. The second coming of Christ is prophesied 1,848 times in both the Old and New Testaments. So for every one time that the Bible speaks of Jesus' first coming, it talks eight times about his second coming. There is actually more in the Bible about the second coming of Jesus than any other topic, except the doctrine of salvation. I gather from that that God wants us to have some hope about that, don't you? In regards to that future time, we as Christians can be filled with so much hope as we look forward to that. The hope of evil being brought to justice, the hope of eternal peace and joy and worship, the hope of a redeemed earth. In today's world, we see so much dismay and evil and things that just discourage us when we dwell on these thoughts. But when we look forward to the things hoped for, to the things promised, wow, we can be filled with so much peace and joy right now. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Hope in Jesus is not situational and it's not short term. So before we end today's conversation, I want to encourage you wherever you are, because it's easy to see our daily life that we're currently living as being separate from the fulfilled prophecies from millennials past and also separate from what is yet to come. We separate our life from these things, but we shouldn't. Our hope lies in Jesus. For the big things like eternity, salvation, redemption, and forgiveness. But our hope in our everyday lives also lies in Jesus, despite our circumstances. If Jesus' life on earth fulfilled over 200 prophecies, why do we shrug off God's promises to us? He promises to never leave us. And in Philippians, it is promised, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a promise, and it also happens to talk about Jesus' return as well. But if we trust God with our eternity, which most of the time we can't even grasp that idea, but if we do that, why do we have a hard time trusting him in our day-to-day life? This is a question I've pondered for over a year now, and I ask myself it often to remind myself of the hope that we have in Jesus. So as we enter 
this Christmas season. Let's look forward in hope and remember the people who hoped for years, decades, centuries, thousands of years, and didn't get to see that promise fulfilled. But looking back, we know it was fulfilled. And looking forward, there are so many more promises yet to be fulfilled by the Lord. Merry Christmas, everybody, and I hope you will join me in the coming weeks um, as we continue going through a season of Advent together. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows In All Things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In All Things Pod on both of those and visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.